Welcome to Hancock Talks, your source for insights about life insurance trends and opportunities with a focus on tactics that can help drive your sales. This podcast is for financial professional use only. It is not intended for use with the public. This material is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide advice. The opinions and views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of John Hancock. Please listen to the important disclosures at the end of this podcast. Now, let's get started with your host, Karen Egan. Hello, welcome to Hancock Talks, and thanks for being with us today. Today, we're going to talk with Marty Barletta, an expert in talking about marketing to women. The Huffington Post has called Marty the high priestess of marketing to women, and Time Magazine has referred to her as the chief rabbi of the economy. Marty is a best-selling author, speaker, and consultant to both Fortune 500 companies and entrepreneurial clients. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today, Marty. Thank you for having me. I love talking about this stuff, and I love talking to people that will learn a lot to build their businesses from this. So in many industries, women represent an untapped market for new business leads. Tell us why this is, and do you think financial professionals are really aware of this opportunity? You know, Karen, I think the funny thing is financial professionals have been aware of this opportunity for a long time. Uh, Financial services was one of the first industries to recognize women as a huge market opportunity. And I always told everybody I spoke to that's because financial professionals are in charge of knowing who has the money, right? And uh, so I'm like, wait, great. They're recognizing that women have the money. It has been something that people gave a lot of focus to a few years ago and have been distracted by other happenings in the financial services industry since then. But I think people are looking for opportunities to expand their business. And particularly in life insurance, there is such a huge opportunity here to develop the life insurance market. Women need it. Families need it. And financial service professionals maybe have lost sight of it a little bit. And really, that's too bad because it could be so beneficial for their business if they would focus on this area. So my answer is mixed, Karen. It it would be enormously beneficial for financial professionals who do return their focus to this area, primarily because, to my surprise, very few financial professionals have, which leaves the market wide open for those who are smart enough to go after it. Well, you know, when we look at it, you know, there's in many of the households, the husband is insured, but the wife is not. Mm-hmm. And so I would think that's a tremendous opportunity, specifically in financial services. It is a tremendous opportunity. And it's because people haven't thought too much about it, I think, because and I mean, in the household, not the financial professionals in the household. It's still true that um, in many households where both the husband and the wife work, which is the majority of households in the U.S., often enough or the conventional way of viewing things is that the man earns more. Therefore, his income should be insured. But with the woman, these days, women are 40% of breadwinners in the U.S. And by breadwinners, I mean people who earn the same or more as their husbands. So they contribute a huge percentage to most households. And what households don't realize is that when a woman 
when something happens to the woman of the household, not only does the household slash her spouse lose the income that she used to bring in, but people don't factor in all of the unpaid services that women bring to the household as well. So I think the household thinks, well, let's not spend money on insurance. Her income isn't the majority. Let's just insure the man. But then you say to the husband in the household, oh, um, interesting. So you were planning to take time off from your job now to do the cooking, the cleaning, the chauffeuring, the grocery shopping, the doctor's appointments. It's, oh, you're not going to be able to do that. I see. So you're probably going to have to pay somebody to. Oh, mm, mm -hmm. so in a way, not only in a way, in truth, households almost need insurance on the woman of the household much more than they need it for the man of the household, because there is so much more than income that needs to be replaced. Right. Yeah. I mean, and as we're seeing these roles changing, right, it, it's looking at the household as a whole. That's right. all of the contributors. Right. And what That's their right. roles are. And I think it's just a lack of awareness for some financial professionals as well as those individuals themselves, not really think, like you said, not really thinking through right. the cost of those services and who's going to be able to provide those. Exactly right. Exactly right. Well, before we discuss specific questions that financial professionals have about prospecting or working with women clients, help us understand the, the mindset, you know, the buying process for women and how that can differ greatly from the mindset or buying process for a male client. Well, it's interesting in general, in all, in all life, in all of life, women's decision-making process tends to be more complicated than men's. This will probably surprise nobody, <laughs> but I will tell you why that is, because I think a lot of times People of different cultures, and I think of this as different cultures, male gender culture and female gender culture, people of different cultures will sometimes interpret other cultures' behavior in ways that isn't exactly true. So men see women who have a more comprehensive and complex decision process as being, oh, what a waste of time. You're, you're concerning yourself with things that are not the most important. They are secondary characteristics. The way women misinterpret male gender culture is to think, well, that is such a superficial way of making a decision. You only <laughs> ask two questions and you're ready to buy. Are you kidding me? There's 14 more questions we should ask. Mm -hmm. So that is one big difference is that women tend to be more comprehensive. They want more information. And they want options considered. Well, what if I spent less money? Then what would happen? Well, mm -hmm. what if I spent more money, but it was in this kind of uh, an instrument? Then what would happen? So they will ask more questions so that they are more sure of the answer. Once they get all those questions answered, they are more committed to their answers. All right. And they also will ask questions about not only the product or the instrument, but they will gain information about the person who is presenting it to them as well. So women will form a stronger opinion of the financial professional who is talking to her. And when I say mm -hmm. talking to her, by the way, Karen, I wish the financial professional would stop using, I understand why, but I wish they would stop using the term educating women because I understand what you're, what, what's being said. And it is, but you know what? Women 
uh, see it, rightly so, as I'm not asking you to educate me. Thank you very much. I am an educated person. I'm asking you to explain your product. All right. Right. Or make a recommendation. Or make a recommendation. Like explain it. and Yeah. And recommend something. And and the other difference in women and men's decision process, besides women's being more complex, is that women will often act faster, take action more quickly on something that is for benefit of those that she takes responsibility for, her kids, her household, her family, right? So women's more complicated decision process will very often take more time and financial professionals get impatient with that. But the way to kind of put some urgency on that and to motivate women to take action faster is to say, look, Marty, this is an insurance that's to benefit you. All right. When you're thinking about your budget, Marty, et cetera, this is insurance to benefit your kids and your family. If anything happens to you, boom, she's there. All right. Because women will tend to push her own priorities down. That's how we've been socialized a little bit, is that mm-hmm. our job is the caregiver, the gatekeeper, et cetera. It's generally agreed that women, relative to the rest of their family, women tend to put themselves last. And I've even seen some information in healthcare that said that when they're making their priorities on, on healthcare for the family, women tend to put their kids first, no surprise, then their husband then their pets, and finally themselves. So we can see that women's priorities respond to taking care of the others in their family, and that will motivate them to take action more quickly than if you say that something is to benefit themselves. So two things. One is she will ask more questions Two is if you want to motivate her to take action, talk about how this benefits her kids, frankly, and her household. Not mm-hmm. it's not about her. And and I think that helps the husbands in the discussion a little bit too. All right. So let's talk about money and how women think about money or feel about money. I bet that's different as well than how men talk about or think about money. Would you say? It is there, it is. <laughs> How did you guess? I think so. (laughs) More than a guess, I think. Um, Yes. Yes, um, they definitely do. Um, And I'm not, generally, I would say it applies more to the area of wealth rather than the area of life insurance. Life insurance is money in a security concept, all right? It is a a safety, security kind of product, which makes it right up women's alley, okay? It's all about protection, right? It's all about protection. (laughs) And men with wealth, they tend to, in a wealth context, men see money as a scorecard. And we're all familiar with that analogy, right? So you prove that you are a better, stronger, taller, smarter person if you make more money. Mm-hmm. Women actually have some hesitation about wealth. I don't want this to be taken out of context that women don't care about wealth. They most certainly do, but they tend to think of money not as an end, but as a means. So money is to get this for my family, to give a big wedding that she wants for my daughter, to buy a second house where the whole, all the grandkids and whatever can all come together. So women can be a little skeptical. Money is the love of money is the root of all evil kind of stuff. They do not see it as a scorecard. They resist the idea of you'll make more money like this if they already have a lot of money. 
they see that as I'm fortunate now, what are we going to apply it? You know, why, why, why have a lot of money? That's only an intermediate step. The why is what interests women. What are we going to do with it? The Mm -hmm. money is what generally interests men. And then it's, well, now that we have all this money, I guess we could figure out something to do with it. You know, I I know I'm being a little flip here, Karen, but in general, that is a two second summary of differences in attitudes towards money. How should a financial professional change, you know, their selling style to really reflect these differences? Well, you know, one of the things I just talked about is that for women, money is a means to an end. You know, financial professionals in general, I, I, I know I'm generalizing grossly here, but they tend to be more on the analytical side. Financial people are into numbers, that sort of thing. And um, so there's a tendency also, since most financial professionals find themselves answering questions from the man of the household, if there's a couple in the room, they will tend to align with his style towards money, which is analytical and figures driven. When you're talking to women or trying to motivate or persuade or influence women, you want to talk about the ends, not the means. You want to say, look, Marty, you know, God forbid anything should happen to you, but you want to make sure that your family can continue. Your kids can still go to school. I'm joking. They can still eat. They can still go to school. They can still get groceries, et cetera, et cetera. And this is so that your family you know, you can help your family deal with a terrible disruption of something that might have happened to you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not only about the income, it's about those things that you want for your family. So that's one of the ways to sell differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is the problem is that a lot of times women tend to uh, when they talk about money, they'll talk about, well, I have eight grandchildren now or my two sons, you know, are going to be going to college in the next 10 years, la, la, la. And a lot of times those discussions, well, let's get to know you a little bit, Marty. That'll happen in the beginning, in the introductory part of a discussion with a financial professional. They'll ask you some questions about yourself. She'll tell you about her kids or grandkids or house or beach, whatever she wants to tell about. And the financial professionals, if, if the financial professional is a male, may mistake this just for small talk. Okay, so, okay, that's interesting, Marty. Now we know a little bit about you. Let's talk about money. Right. And to me, Marty, I kind of was, you know, I was telling you my family situation. I was telling you my two sons. I was telling you I have a special needs sister. I was telling you I've always dreamed of something, something, something. And and when you were telling all the things that are important to you, right, what you value and therefore should they not be always, if they're making recommendations or finding solutions, always tying them back to the things that, that the client said they value? Exactly. And I think that's important because I think financial professionals, if they say, let's talk about your family, it's kind of like, as I said, she just did. So instead saying, all right, so you have two sons and you have eight grandchildren let's talk about how our discussion here today can help you take care of them. So number one, because it's for them, it says that he was listening. He heard her in the small talk, if you would, uh, in air quotes. But number two, it brings her attention back to this is for them. This is for the people that you are responsible for. And that will motivate her to reach her decision quickly and take action more quickly. Mm. All right, let's get a little tactical then. So when you're meeting with a female prospect, 
how should they open that discussion, right? You're like initial, almost like a prospecting. What, what are those discovery questions? What mm-hmm. do they look like? Well, it's a it's a good question. It sort of depends how long the meeting is, but there's kind of three points that I like to stress for financial professionals who are leading or conducting a meeting with women prospects or clients, especially the first meeting when financial professionals, well, I will say when men introduce themselves, they have a tendency in, in male gender culture, you, you, you get to know each other through a little friendly competition. So who knows more about the stock market versus who knows more about soccer. I don't know. And so friendly competition is the way they establish their credentials with each other. So I can't tell you how many meetings I have been in with men who in establishing their credibility will say, let me tell you a little bit about myself. And I won't launch into the 10 minute explanation of uh, that. I have sometimes, you know, I went to school here. I took my first job there. I got an offer. I couldn't refuse the other. And then all my clients were la la la. And I call this kind of the peacock style of self-introduction. You know, it's a bit of a peacock strut. And, and, and in male gender culture, it's not. It's perfectly appropriate. Men understand what's going on. All right. So knock yourself out, guys. But with women, the way that comes across is, I'm sorry, I thought we were here to talk about me and my needs and my family. And I've just spent 10 minutes listening to how you think, how wonderful you are. So I don't really need to know anything about you too much. I will form my opinions of a financial professional by the way we interact, all right? Not by what a financial professional's background is. So asking her questions about herself, we already talked about, let's not open the question with, so do you have any children? When she's just told you she has two sons that are going to go to college. All right. So let's pay attention. Let's make sure we are listening. And with women, there's another level of listening that I think is a great opportunity for people to be aware of because men often complain that women will say the same things over and over again. You know, she won't, she just wouldn't let go of that point. And what I advise them to do is for women, because for women, it is important that you understand the why of what she's saying, not just the what. Mm -hmm. Um, So she might say uh, they don't always get the feeling that the person listening to them has gathered what she means or maybe has gathered what she means, but doesn't know how strongly she feels about it. So she might say, "Okay, this is. I'm really worried about you know being able to afford that. I'm excited about thinking about a second house, whatever." Or she conveys that in her tone. Maybe she won't even say that. But if he doesn't react to the way she feels about it, she feels like he hasn't gotten it. So he might say, "Okay, second home. All right, uh, college. Got it." If he were to say, "Wow, it sounds like you're really excited about that." Or am I getting this right? That's one of your major worries here. If he plays back, Stephen Covey in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People calls this empathetic listening, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just reflective listening. I heard what you said. It's empathetic listening. I heard how you feel about it. If you can assure her that you've heard how important, what her priorities are, she will be ready to move on. So You know, that is another excellent way for moving forward in the conversation. And then you asked specifically about taking notes. That's a really good question. If I were training a financial professional or recommending in this kind of situation, I would say 
I would recommend having a recorder, to be honest, instead of taking notes these days, because when you look down to take notes, especially if like me, you take extensive notes, I write a lot of notes. It looks like you're not paying as much attention to the person who's speaking as Mm -hmm. you probably would even wish. And these days, when you record a conversation, you can get it transcribed automatically, digitally. It really doesn't it doesn't cost anything. So you can have the full conversation without taking notes. I would recommend you focus on the individual across the table. Look at her. And nod, you know, I mean, we're right. not on video here, but if you, if there, if we were, we would see, especially the women in the audience nod. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I right. agree. I agree. And here's a little secret that a lot of men have told me is fun for them to know. So that is what nodding means for women. It means I'm listening, go ahead, you know, and when he's presenting his proposal, he's thinking, this is going great. She's nodding. She's nodding. I guess this is you know, exactly what she wants. And he'll get to the end of his proposal and he'll say, well, it looks like you're ready to move forward. And she'll say, no, not really. Not, not quite yet. I want to think about it. And he's thinking, what the heck? She's been nodding the whole time I've been talking to her. Is she (laughs) just totally falling off the tracks here? Well, I don't get it. And that's what you have to understand is that with women, nodding means I'm listening. You may continue. And it's important. The important thing for men to recognize is that the signal to watch for is when she stops nodding. Men don't watch for that. Women register it unconsciously. But when mm-hmm. she stops nodding, that is her. She will nod in a, you know, keep going, keep going unconsciously. When she stops nodding, that is usually a conscious signal. I have something I want to say here. But you're not taking a breath. I can't get my mouth open, you know, and in male gender culture, if you have something to say, you jump in, you interrupt in female gender culture. You don't you wait till it's your turn. Therefore, if she is not nodding, she is saying, I want to turn, take a breath, ask me if I have any questions. And that's what I strongly recommend financial professionals do when selling to women, especially men to be aware of is number one, don't open with the peacock struck and, and, and actually don't open with, let me tell you a little bit about myself, whether it's peacocky or not. Open with, let me ask you about yourself, all right? Secondly, make sure to practice empathetic listening so that she is confident that you have heard and understand what she meant and how she feels about it. Third, Instead of taking notes, try recording it. And if you need to refresh your memory, just get a transcript. But this allows you to look at her and focus on her face-to-face, one-to-one interaction is how she forms her opinion of you. So that's pretty critical. And then the last thing is watch out for when she stops nodding, because that means she has something to say to you. That's, a, I think, a great one. It's those nonverbal cues, mm-hmm. right? Like pay attention mm-hmm. to those. Mm-hmm. So do you think that women are generally open to working with men or do men really have to work differently to earn the trust and ultimately the business of prospective women clients? A common misapprehension here is that women prefer to work with other women. And before anybody gets their sneakers in a knot (laughs) over that, all right, what women prefer to do is to include women in the 
In marketing, we call it the consideration set. Women will not usually make a choice of who to go forward with without talking to a couple of options that, you know, I told you women like more options in decision making. They want a choice because when they make a decision, they want to stick with it. So the good news is if she picks you, she's going to pick you in the future. She's not just going to start and look for somebody else who might have something similar. All right. Women are very open to working with men, but they will include a woman in their initial interviews. Once there's a woman included, then the playing field is absolutely level. And not surprisingly, what counts is competence and chemistry, whether it's between a man and a woman, woman, you know, woman to woman, whatever it is. The difference here is that to some extent, women have a little bit of an advantage on the chemistry side, right? But it's not that hard. You heard the four things I mentioned just now. Um, These are not radical changes. This is not walking on eggshells. I think if financial male financial professionals took the time to learn 10 or 12 things that are different about selling to women, they would be able to move forward with full confidence. It is not as tricky as it might seem. These are delicate times these days with political correctness and whatnot, but there's nothing especially delicate about this. There's nothing especially worrisome about this. And I think that in most companies in the industry, only about 20% of financial professionals are women. If the male financial professionals want to leave this huge, enormous, lucrative market to the women financial professionals, I'm sure the women won't object. But I would think (laughs) that the male financial professionals would also want to be successful in this large, lucrative market. And all I'm saying is it's not that hard. Well, and isn't it true that people like to do business with people that they like? That's right. That they feel a connection with, whether it's a a man choosing to have a male financial professional or a male choosing to have a woman financial professional. You you tend to buy from or do business with people that you like, people that you connect with. So I think, you, you know, you're really kind of hitting the nail on the head. It's if male financial professionals are really connecting and engaging with women prospective clients. I think it is about working with people you like. And and that's sort of, you know, what chemistry is trying to sum up. Whether you like somebody or not is affected a great deal by small things. Sometimes people have been known to say women don't want anything special. They don't want to be treated special. They just want to be treated exactly like the men. And I say that's wrong. Mm -hmm. I say that if you treat your women prospects and clients exactly the same way you treat your very best male prospects and clients, that is likely to backfire on you. Okay. Equal is not the same. It's not (laughs) the same. And and not all women recognize that, uh, Karen, not all women There, there's an ideological point of view that women, and I shared it back in the 1980s, right? In the 1980s, oh, I thought women and men are the same. You can't keep me from going into a management or executive position just because I'm a woman. I would have disputed any attempt to say that there were differences between men and women. Now I've done about 15 years of research on the subject and I feel differently. 
And not everybody's done 15 years of research on the subject. So women don't always understand how they are different from men. And they think, well, I just want to be treated with respect. Well, of course, we want to be treated with respect, but the signals are different. All right. So when you're when you stop nodding and he doesn't say, so, Marty, did you have any questions? She's thinking, how freaking rude. All right. So if he doesn't do these things, these four things that I just talked about, what's she going to tell her sister when she gets on the phone later? So we were in this meeting. First thing he does is start bragging about himself for 10 minutes. I'm telling him, you know, that I really, really care about my special needs sister. And he's like, yeah, special needs sister. He's looking down at his pad, his writing pad the whole time, you know, scribbling on his writing pad instead of looking at me. And then he just never stopped talking. I mean, I stopped nodding. I folded my book clothes. I crossed my arms. I gave him every signal I could and he didn't stop talking. So does she like him? No. She doesn't Mm -hmm. like him because he has not picked up on her signals. He hasn't understood that there's a slight difference in the gender culture. And yet it's so simple to change. You know, those four things I told you, they're not hard Mm -hmm. to change about taking notes, empathetic listening, et cetera. So Mm -hmm. there is a difference. Women understand how to read women's signals. Men could just as easily understand how to read women's signals and become armored or what's the right word, uh, protected against inadvertently sending off signals that can be a little bit offensive or insulting. So how about offering to our listeners some suggestions on how they can generate referrals, you know, in the women market? Um, With referrals, which are such a huge source of business for so many financial professionals, The thing to understand is that uh, women actually are less responsive when you ask them for referrals than men are. And women have a reputation for being more social and more collaborative. And, you you know, because women are more protective of their networks. For men, these sorts of things are more transactional. Yes, I understand. We have a transaction. You'd like to have transactions with other people like me. Here you go. Here's some names. Not as easy as I just made it sound, obviously, but no offense. All right. But if somebody asks me, it is so unlikely that I am ever going to give them the name of any of my close friends and probably not even my acquaintances. And the reason is I don't want my friends getting calls from somebody when I don't know if my friends have a need or not. So Mm -hmm. if you want referrals, the way to go with that is what I call the surprise and delight factor. One interchange that I had with somebody that I use the example is years ago when Peapod food delivery system first came into my market when I'm in Chicago. And one of the things they did in the early years was on Sunday, they delivered my groceries and they included a bouquet of flowers. And I said, this is fantastic. I love this, but I didn't order it. So I guess you better take it back. And they said, no, it's okay, Marty. Peapod just decided that to say thank you to all our new customers in the Chicago area, we were going to give everybody who happened to order flowers today, we're going to, I'm sorry, happy to order groceries today, we're going to include a bouquet of flowers. Now, that's very unusual. I love flowers. And guess what? People don't give me flowers that often. So when people, when I was hanging out with my friends and they'd say, so what's new? Or, you know, I'd say, well, hmm, not my, well, 
actually there was something. So I got this flowers from right. Peapod, la, la, la. What's Peapod? And I say grocery delivery service. Oh, is their produce good? Do they deliver well? What do you right. think? It started a whole right. conversation. So by doing yeah. this, they have generated a whole bunch of questions to me. And mm-hmm. how did they do that? By sending me a $5 bouquet of flowers. They surprised and delighted me and gave me something to talk about. Exactly. Uh It's having that, right? Women are more apt to talk about really positive experiences that they've had. That's what we tell our girlfriends about, right? Yeah. We've had a really good positive experience. So before we finish, share with the listeners the services you provide or ways for them to get more information on this topic. Well, my website is Marty, M-A-R-T-I dot Barletta dot com. People can visit there. The the fastest way I think for people who are interested in this is actually my YouTube channel, to tell you the truth, Karen. There's a whole bunch of one to three minute clips on there. There's some longer clips, too, but there's probably, I don't know, 30 or 40 quick tips on that YouTube channel. So I know for busy people, they like to have quick tips. I would recommend they look at that. I also have lots and lots of blog posts on my website that I just mentioned. Most of those are intended to be helpful to financial professionals because that is an area I specialize in. Marty Barletta, it was great having you with us today. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today and and really just appreciate you being here. Likewise, Karen, this is great fun. Call me anytime. Let's wrap up with the Marketing Minute segment of the show. And back with us today is Anna Conalis. Great to be back, Karen. Such a great and important topic to cover. So glad we're able to spend some time on this topic. So why don't you share with us some of the resources that can be leveraged to support marketing life insurance to women? Absolutely, Karen. We do have some resources available, including a client prospecting brochure and a PowerPoint to help identify some of the unique challenges women face today. Well, what are some concepts that you see that resonate in this market? Yes, with retirement risks due to longevity that are very specific to women, what we find is that life insurance and retirement planning and retirement backstop, a solution that talks about all the myriad of risks that are in retirement, those two solutions tend to resonate well. And with that, here in the Advanced Markets Group, we have the ability not only to speak to that, but also create some customized pieces as well. For more information on these, plus the client prospecting brochure and PowerPoint, please feel free to reach out to the Advanced Markets Group. Well, great stuff, Anna. And thanks again for sharing all of those resources and for being with us. Thank you for having me, Karen. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Hancock Talks. For more resources on today's topic, as well as access to more information about how to grow your insurance business, visit jhsaleshub.com. And don't forget, download and subscribe to the show on iTunes to get new episodes as they become available. Thanks for listening. For the stat 40% of women are breadwinners is from There Are More Female Breadwinners Than You Think, fairygodboss.com. For the stat, about 20% of financial professionals are women is from zippa.com slash finance-professionals-jobs. 
This material is not intended to provide financial, investment, insurance, legal, accounting, or tax advice. It is intended to promote awareness and is for educational purposes only. The opinions expressed by third parties are their own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of John Hancock. The opinions are subject to change. Life insurance products are issued by John Hancock Life Insurance Company USA, Boston, Mass., 02116, not licensed in New York, and John Hancock Life Insurance Company of New York, Valhalla, New York, 10595. This recorded material may have been recorded to support the promotion or marketing of the topics addressed in this recorded material. Individuals interested in the topics discussed should consult with their professional advisors to examine legal, tax, accounting, or financial aspects of these topics. MLINY 05212 1008-1.